Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are. My name is Divya Inna and welcome to another episode of Talk Water. Welcome everyone to 2020, the year of 366 days. You know, many decades ago, the year 2020 sounded like a far off futuristic time that would see humans zipping around in jetpacks and maybe even living in colonies on the moon. And while that might not be our exact reality, not yet, there are plenty of exciting reasons to look forward to the year ahead. From trendy tech developments and stellar space-based events such as the Mars 2020 mission, uh, not to forget the US presidential elections and the summer 2020 Olympics in Tokyo, besides all of that, it's also the start of a new decade. If the new year means a new beginning, then what does a new decade mean? Full 10 years to shape the 2020s. And it's been the start of something new for Blue Tech too. Towards the end of last year, many of you might have heard about the premiere of the Brave Blue World documentary. Brave Blue World, the first honest, hopeful documentary that paints an optimistic picture of how humanity is adopting new technologies and innovations to rethink how we manage water. We've been on an incredible journey to meet with pioneers and innovators who are addressing global water and sanitation challenges and their stories reveal a hopeful future for one of our most precious resources. So for those who weren't with us at our Hollywood premiere launch in December, we have some snippets of the Hollywood launch that we've brought back with us and hopefully that captures the moments there. Here's what industry thought leaders Glenn Dyer and Sally Gutierrez had to say. At the after party for the Brave Blue World global premiere in Paramount Theatre, Los Angeles. Here with Glenn Diger. He's been one of the, the key voices in the, in the documentary. So, Glenn, I just want to get initial reactions, thoughts, seeing yourself on the big screen in Hollywood, right, with other water professionals. How, how was it for you? Oh, this is a real kick. I grew up at a pig farm uh, in Indiana. I'd, I'd hope that I could move in a direction of being a person that, you know, helps to uh, move important issues forward. But to be here in Hollywood and this is just, uh, you know, it's a dream come true. You know, one of the things that really impressed me was the diversity. It really showed the diversity of this world uh, in terms of uh, all different kinds of circumstances. But the important point is that no matter where the team went, people were solving their water problems. That's the key message here, that if we're someplace where the water problems are not being solved, it's because people have decided not to solve them. We can, as, as Matt Damon said, we can solve all of our water, all of our water problems and, and, and move forward. Okay, so Sally, you can you can hear we're just in the after party of uh, Brave Blue World. For you, what? Just give me your initial thoughts on what you thought of the documentary. Well, I really love the approach because so much of what we have films about these days are, you know, kind of that scenario where um, we we're in a hopeless situation where we have droughts and we don't know what to do. And what really struck me about this film is that it's really about we're solving how leaders around the globe in their own unique ways are solving some of these problems, which is where the action really needs to be, right? For all that we know about what's wrong or the challenges that we have in water, too much water, too little water, contaminated water, really this is about how do we effectively 
and forever solve this problem. So I love the approach. So in terms of all the different solutions that were shown from Spain to Kenya to Chicago in Brave Blue World, which story, I think, really, really stood out for you on, on, in Brave Blue World? So, uh, you know, in terms of solutions, though, uh, I'm a horses for courses guy. So, you know, it's, uh, it's the right-sizing the solution to the circumstances. But I think some of the most inspiring are looking at some of the most resource-constrained locations, the, the uh, capturing water out of the atmosphere and, you know, turning sanitation into, uh, into a business. These are people that are working under the absolute most uh, extreme conditions and still there's a still there's a there's a solution so to me i really love seeing the one uh, about the company bringing solutions to what is most basic in human existence and that is how do we uh, um, manage our waste how do we have a clean toilet what a basic what a basic necessity right and I really admired the entrepreneur who saw that as an opportunity. And, and to hear that, that one uh, uh, woman speak about, it, it's, it's like a human dignity thing to have a clean toilet in one's house, right? And to me, that is just so profound because around the world there are just so many people still with that uh, with that issue and and it's complicated right like in every everything else but in this case kind of it's not a fancy technological solution but something that is so fundamental uh, and and he brought to bear a solution to that more basic problem in one of the probably poorest uh, settings around the world too. So to me, I go, that's what it's all about. It is often an apocalyptic picture painted about the millions of people lacking access to sanitation and water. But through Brave Blue World, we can spread the message that the situation is improving the technology is there, and within our lifetime, we can cure these global problems. Thank you to all who attended the global premiere in the Paramount Theatre on December 16, 2019. And we look forward to sharing further updates with you as the project progresses. On to our next piece for this month. I catch up with Reese Owen to find out more about what's in store for Blue Tech Research. We have a line with us, Reese Owen, our editor-in-chief. Reese, welcome to 2020. Tell us what we have in store for 2020. Well, let's first start with what what have Blue Tech been busy with the the first month of the year so far? Sure. Yeah. Let's start with uh, this month. Um, we've been considering what the future holds um, in terms of the impact of AI tools on the water sector this month. Uh, our latest report is a horizon scan on AI and decision support tools, which is written by tag expert Graham Simmons. And in the report, we examine and cross-compare nine of the most innovative companies offering AI tools. So, Planet, Imagine, Aganova, Baseform, PlutoShift, Enging, Optimatics, Smart Cover Systems, and Fraxa. Mm-hmm. Um, there are other companies in this area, but those are the ones we've focused on uh, at this time. Uh, 
And the prospects for change within the water sector are, as everyone hearing about, potentially dramatic, uh, particularly for the way utilities operate. Uh, the chief attraction of adopting AI for a utility is value propositions. Just to give two quite good examples of that, Optimatics uh, saved a large UK utility £25 million by helping to optimise CapEx planning. Uh, the number of nitrate treatment facilities that they needed to build to cover regulatory requirements were uh, was estimated at four plants, but this was reduced down to two by optimising the scenario planning. And another quite striking example is smart cover systems, uh, which saved the utility $10 million in new stormwater infrastructure through better operation and maintenance of the existing system. So AI is also being used to lower uh, OPEX as well, for example, by optimizing cleaning and, and, and inspection regimes. So what is the market size of the market opportunity for AI in water? Well, it's, it's an emerging area and it's difficult to put an exact figure on it. Mm-hmm. But if you look at the operating expenses that are expected for water and wastewater utilities, they're expected to reach $100 billion annually uh, over the next decade. And CapEx requirements, um, I mean, estimates range from $300 billion to even $1 trillion over the next 10 years. Um, so if you picture the opportunity to invest a portion of those funds in data-driven operational improvements and optimized capital decisions, uh, that, that's a huge opportunity for money saving there. Yeah. Um, and there are obviously a lot of challenges uh, with adopting AI tools, but utilities are looking more for cost-effective means to meet their obligations, which are increasing all the time. And investing in AI does seem to offer potentially significant returns. Okay. Um, what else have we got? This month we, uh, we consider an issue which is also certain to grow more prominent in the future and has already been capturing headlines about microplastics in water. We've been hearing a lot about that in the mainstream media, but surprisingly, little research has so far been concentrated on uh, from the point of view of the water industry. Uh, one of the challenges is that there's no commonly agreed consistent method for identifying and actually quantifying microplastics within water. Uh, and and the, this is fed into a relative lack of legislation. So as things stand, it's not an immediate crisis-driven market that uh, will provide immediate opportunities for treatment equipment, but it's, a, it's an area we're going to be continuing to monitor. And finally, this month, we have a in-depth look at Microbi Biotech, which is a, a company report looking at microbial encapsulation technology. And uh, this is a, a product that improves the performance of biological treatment systems. Now, Microbi's got the potential to be highly disruptive uh, if it can find wide-scale, wide-scale application in drinking water. Um, it still needs to be proven to be more cost-effective than MBBR and granular-activated sludge and similar technologies, but there's a reason to be excited about that. And then finally, in our patent tracker, um, I have some three very interesting highlights of the patents uh, picked out this month. There's a novel bottle brush polymer which is being used for scale reduction from Dow, a new twist on DAF technology from Evoqua, and uh, BKT have applied for a patent on for a method of lowering the pH of cow manure, which has a higher 
pH than hog manure due to their differences in diet, and that's something that uh, affects uh, capabilities for land application of biosolids. So a very mixed bag this month. All sorts, of, all sorts going on. Interesting. That's great. I want to step back for a little bit, Reese, and, and look at 2020 as a whole. I mean, we do a lot of looking back and reflection, but I'd like to look at, at the start of 2020 now. I'd like to see, you know, what are the what are the main topics we're going to be talking about this year, and also what's being spoken about in the industry, right? What are the top markets? So, and you might share some some of the thoughts with me here. Um, first, I can I can think of is sanitation economy. I mean, that's currently the largest greenfield opportunity in the water and wastewater sector. It's about 4.5 billion people still lack access to sanitation and 2.4 billion people still lack access to basic sanitation. So there's a lot of innovation we're seeing in that space in terms of offerings such as sanitation as a service and, and different plays and business models. And I think it's it, one, one space to watch out for. The next one I have is commercial building water management systems. I mean, looking at the use of smart systems to control water use in commercial buildings. You know, this could be looking at water heaters, pressure boosters, boilers, shower pumps, water softeners, all that kind of space. So look, we've just recently heard of uh, groups like the HSBC getting involved in, in um, this sort of area. So again, one to watch for us. We looked at atmospheric water capture towards the end of last year, and that obviously addresses water scarcity. But on the flip side, there's also the issue of too much water, right? We have issues of flooding and CSO events. So I know we're working on, you know, we're going to be looking at a report on smart water networks. So is there something you can share with us on that, on, on, on what that report might cover and really what the driver for that report might be? Well, as you, yeah, that's right. As you say, it's, it's uh, the driver is uh, climate change in many ways, uh, more extreme flooding events uh, happening more often. Um, and it's, it, it crosses over with the AI report in some ways because this is optimization of networks using data, mm-hmm. um, adapting to and reducing CSO events, and, and that doing that by optimizing sewer cleaning, for example. Yeah. Uh, there are case studies where utilities have been able to reduce the number of inspections by 94% by using uh, data-driven uh, products, mm-hmm. um, and, and that in turn helps to uh, control and manage and, and reduce CSO events. And it's about uh, using smart uh, data as well to adapt the built environment to um, make it more resilient to climate change and flooding events. Um, so those are the main drivers, and we'll be looking at uh, specifically technologies which address all of those. Yeah, yeah. The last one I have that comes to mind is emerging contaminants. Absolutely. This is a big area. We are going to be updating our report on uh, PFAS. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's very t- topical at the moment. Um, we talked about microplastics earlier. Um, Legionella detection and control, I would say, comes under water quality and quality monitoring. Yeah. That's something we're looking at next. Uh, it's it's on the rise, and there are very, various reasons for that, which we've discussed in previous podcasts. And from an industrial point of view, we're going to be looking at um, the drivers and demand for uh, metals removal. Uh, down to parts per billion levels. That, that's important for some industrial processes, and there are uh, specific technologies that can help address that. Um, in fact, it covers, yeah, it, almost everything comes back to water quality in some ways. We're looking at biofilm monitoring, um, yeah. which helps the smooth running of, of treatment plants. So, yes, plenty of reports on that uh, coming up here. It's, uh, it's, it's a wide area. Yeah.
Excellent. Thanks very much for your time, Reese. Uh, looking forward to the reports for 2020. And once again, for our clients, if you have any questions, feel free to get in touch with us. But uh, um, look forward to hearing from you all on, on, on feedback, on reports, and any suggestions you might have on topics you'd like us to look at for 2020 also. With that, we'd like to end the podcast for this month. I hope you found this useful. And as always, please keep sharing your comments, thoughts and ideas with us. We'd look forward to speaking to you all next month. So until then, stay tuned.